are now listening to an inspirational message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where Dr. Michael Wesley Sr. is pastor. Please join the service in progress. Thank you. 
worship has to have an object. river of our worship has to flow to God. Forget about anyone else. Just think about him for a moment. The river of my worship. Clap your hands, somebody, this morning. We come to worship. We come in here to worship. And, and we, we, we want that to go to God. This is God's house. And he is worthy to be praised. And it's all right to worship him today in spirit and in truth. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't require other people. It just requires you and God. And when you are worshiping and, and letting your heart and your song and your spirit just connect with his, that's what that is about. Flowing to him, that experience of experience in the presence of God. God has a word for us this morning. And I want to get to that word. But I want us to pray as we pray prepare to receive what God gives. Father, we thank you for blessing us with life, physical life and spiritual life. Physical life that we may enjoy relationships and we may live on the earth to accomplish some of those human values but spiritual life where we connect at the deeper level with you and with others to serve you. We thank you that you've blessed us. We love you today. We honor you. We adore you, God. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. It is you who has made us, not we ourselves. We're the sheep of your pasture. And we have entered now into this place with thanksgiving. And into these courts with praise. And we come expressing our thanks. We also acknowledge that we struggle. We struggle with our humanness. And because we are human, we have flaws. We mess up. We miss opportunities. We don't do some things we should do and we end up doing some things we ought not do. We ask for mercy and for forgiveness. God, we thank you that we know we have it through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray now asking you to fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit that you would take charge and that you would guide our thinking and our minds and our understanding as we open the scriptures. We pray that you would speak to us and through us in this moment. Bless the words in our mouth and the meditations on our heart. That it may be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been speaking on prayer all this month and we've been going through 21 days of prayer. I want to speak again this morning, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, starting with verse 5 and going through verse 10, the scripture says, and he, meaning Jesus, said unto them, which of you? shall have a friend 
and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as needed. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to preach today from the subject praying boldly praying boldly often that's not the case for us we pray very much timidly we pray shyly we pray with no real expectation of receiving what we ask for. And consequently, it becomes easy over time to not pray at all. But when we understand the promise of God, it should encourage us to be bold in our prayers and in our approach to God. And that's what we have in our scripture lesson for the day. We have the master teacher himself, none other than Jesus Christ, teaching his disciples on the subject of prayer. The disciples of Jesus were common men. And in their common lives, they were perhaps fishermen. Most of them were, seven at least they were. They were from Galilee. They were from little fishing villages around the community. And very simple. When Jesus came along and he called these men to follow him, to become fishers of men, that he would turn into fishers of men, they left their nets they left their families. They left everything and began to follow him. And for three years, they went with him wherever he went, day and night. They ate with him. They slept outdoors with him or wherever it was that he chose to spend the night. That's where they were too. But they noticed something strange and different about Jesus. They were with him on many occasions that he did supernatural things. They were out on the sea when the storm came and the waters were about to drown them all and lightning was playing its zigzag games against the sky. Thunder was booming its bass voice and they had no answer. They cried out with terror and fear, but Jesus stood up and said, peace be still. And they saw the winds and the waves obey him. They said, what manner of man is this? They were in church. They were in the synagogue. And Jesus called the devil out of a man. They were seated on the side of a hill one day. And a, one of them picked up a little boy's lunch. And they saw Jesus do this strange thing. 
And then he would break the bread, the fish, and the loaves, and he passed it out, and he fed almost 15,000 people. What did they see? They saw that before every great miracle, Jesus would pray. They saw that this was not just an occasional occurrence, that even in the mornings he would get up before the break of dawn and he would go off and speak to his father. And they began to associate the power that was within him to his prayer life. And then they asked him, Master, teach us how to pray. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be your response if, if you were around Jesus, if you saw him and you saw the power exude from him to raise people from the dead, to heal people of all their diseases and things? Wouldn't you want to know the secret to what released that kind of power? Well, he comes with it. He said, okay, if you want to know when you pray, Say, our Father, who is in heaven. Now, now, that, that, that right there alone was a different and dynamic than what they had understood. The Jewish people at that point had always looked at God as being a distant lover. But Jesus was teaching that he is an intimate person. That his personality is that of a human father. Now that might bother some people because you may in your life did not have a good relationship with a human father. And if that was your case then I'm, I know that that would be unfortunate for you. But some have had great relationships with their earthly fathers. I happen to be one of them. And so when he says to me, say, our father, I think of one who is, who is willing to provide. I think of one who is open to conversation. I think of one who is a protector. I think of the various aspects of what I remember seeing in my own father. And that's what Jesus wanted us to think about God, our father. Not some distant person, but someone who loves and cares and willing to provide and protect us. Our Father who is in heaven. Holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name, he says. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And you know the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He taught them those words, and in those words, he taught them the relationship to God. But then he, he goes a little further in teaching how, by moving them into a, using a simple story drawn out of everyday life in a small community. And he teaches them the value of persistence and the need for boldness when you pray. He taught how to pray and now he's urging them to understand that when you pray, you, you, you don't need to be timid about it. You don't need to be shy about it. You need to be bold and brash when you come to God. And so he tells this little story. It's kind of a humorous story. It wasn't that Jesus was trying to be a comedian or trying to be funny, but when you look at the, the characters in it, it starts out simple, but it ends up with profound theological truths. Listen to what he says. He said, which of you having a friend, and all of us have had friends in our life or people we call friends, and so I want you to picture with me what the scene would have been. A friend, a man had a friend. And his friend comes to his house at midnight. Now imagine that, man. Midnight. Somebody calling to your house. 
Now look now, I gotta be honest with you. When when the telephone rings after a certain time, that's alarming. Usually I know something is up, something is troublesome, some something has happened somewhere. But if someone came to my house at midnight, you know, I'm usually asleep. Usually. In the early days, I could never go to sleep before one, two, three o'clock in the morning. Oh, come on, don't y'all pretend to be so holy. That was during them days when I was roaming. <laughs> you know where, where that was, what that was about? It wasn't getting home, man. As a matter of fact, when I was a young college student, the party didn't start till 11 o'clock. I remember coming home from school one weekend, and I came home, and I was around the room, and I was getting dressed, putting on cologne and all, and getting ready to step out. My daddy came around the corner. He said, boy, where you think you're going? I said, dad, I'm going to the party. He said, 11.30? I said, it just started. He said, go to bed. I said, what? He said, you heard me? Put on your pajamas and go to bed. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> but no getting out that night. But when I was on my own, come on now, don't y'all act like you don't know what that feels like. I went when I wanted to go. Came in when I wanted to come in. If I didn't want to come in, I didn't come in. Thank be to God for a change. Amen. Amen. So the, Jesus says a man had a friend who came to his house at midnight. Now you got to understand in that ancient world that Jesus lived in, it wasn't no street lights, it wasn't any television, it wasn't any internet. It wasn't any TikTok. It wasn't any of the social networks or medias or any form of entertainment. So people at a certain time would be asleep. And so the man comes at midnight and he's knocking on his door and he's yelling and he's hollering his name. Hey, friend. Hey, friend. Hey, friend. Hey, hey, hey. In now. Wake up. Wake up. Come to the door. And he's going through the business. And the conversation is from the man inside. And he hollers back at his friend outside. And he says, go away. Leave me alone. My household is asleep. My children are in bed with me. Go away. That would be natural, wouldn't it? But the man outside says, hey, I, I, I need you. Open the door. I have a friend, a man, who has come to visit me, and I have nothing to set before him. Lend me three loaves of bread. Now, boy, that's bold. I just got to tell you, that's, that's bold. To go to somebody's house at midnight, it wasn't an emergency. It wasn't like, hey, man, I need some help. Somebody broke in my house. It wasn't like, hey, man, my wife's sick. I need to get her to the hospital. It wasn't like, hey, man, my son's leg broke. It wasn't any of the things we would call emergencies. You coming and asking for bread at midnight? For a visitor? The natural response from us would have been, go away, just like the man in the story. But Jesus helps us. And let me help you first by understanding the community that they lived in at that time. It was close-knit, and they depended upon each other. I grew up like that. I remember a time in the neighborhood that I grew up in. Neighbors depended on each other. It was nothing uncommon for my mother to send me next door or two doors down to ask for something that she need. Whether it was a, a, a cucumber or whether it was some tomatoes or whether it was some potatoes or something. Go over and ask Miss Lovey to give me a cup of sugar or whatever. And that would be supplied and no one thought anything about, about it. It was natural. People supported each other like that. I know it's different today because today we don't even know our neighbors. We drive into our, our garages and we let the garage down behind us and we don't see them. 
We don't know them. And we don't ask them for any assistance. But I need you to see it. Hospitality was big in that day. And people were expected to be hospitable toward one another. And so it was nothing unusual about this. Except that it was midnight. And the persistence of the man. So Jesus goes right to the heart of the story. Down in verse 8. And he says, but the man inside would not get up and give him anything because they were friends. But because of this key word, importunity. Now that's a word I want you to look up in the dictionary. Let me tell you what it means. It means boldness. It means relentlessness. It means shamelessness. The man was not shamed about banging on the door. And he continued to bang on the door. And he continued to holler out for the man, open the door, open the door. I need you. I need some bread. A friend of mine has come. And I'm embarrassed. See, the embarrassment would be to have someone come and there was nothing for you to set before them. People travel at night during those days because it's hot there during the rest of the day. And at night, the weather would be cooler and it would make it easy for travel. Man, I can remember, man, when I was a kid, again, I hate to keep referencing my family, but my mother had brothers that lived in Detroit. And they would come to Birmingham. And sometimes they would come at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And she would get up. And she would fix them something to eat. Regardless of what time they came. That's just the way it was. See, you got to know, there were no Burger Kings. There were, there, there were no McDonald's. There were no 24-hour restaurants. There was nothing available. So they depended upon one another. And the man was desperate because his own reputation as a hospitable host was at stake. So he beats and he bangs and he says, hey, man, get up. Open the door. Now getting up and opening the door wouldn't be as easy as it is today because we don't... We have different doors today. Today, some of the doors, man, you can walk toward and they just open by themselves. And other doors, you can just push the little handlebar and it just open. But in that day, just imagine this one-room house with a big door that had to be let up and it made a lot of noise and the man probably needed some help in letting the door up. And with all the noise going on outside, by now, the children are awake. Because it was one bedroom, one house, one small little house, little kitchen on the corner, maybe a little bathroom on the other side. No, they probably had outhouses. And, 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 and it wouldn't be no furniture there, so they would just take out a mat, a pallet, and pillows, and everybody would be in one bed, one space on the floor. And perhaps when it got cold, they huddled together, and that's the way they stayed warm. I'm just trying to put the picture there for you. Now that you see the picture, I want you to see what Jesus is teaching about prayer. What he's talking about is the fact that this man was bold and shameless. I don't know how you talk to God, but some of us, most of us would not dare be as bold as people in the Old Testament were when they prayed to God. Let me show you one or two examples that I've just kind of selected for this particular service. One of them is, is Psalm 55. Listen at what the first verse says. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Now that's a bold prayer. Hey God, I'm talking to you. Listen to what I'm saying. And don't you hide from me. Now, you know, when I was growing up, they would call that bold. They would call that brash. They would call that some nerve. They would call that some gall. You got the audacity to talk to the God of the universe 
with that level of boldness, that's exactly what Jesus is teaching. That God, I mean, you know how we do it. We don't do it that way. And that's why many of us don't have what we are asking for. It's because we allow pride and we allow other things to block us from being consistent and persistent in our prayer. You know how we do? We'll tell somebody, hey man, I came by your house, I knocked on the door one time, I rang the bell, nobody came, so I left. And that's how most of us are. Well, even when it comes to God, well, I asked you one time, and you didn't do it, so I ain't figured you want me to have it, so I just left it alone. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying to us, not to be like this man, but to be as persistent and insistent and as bold and as shameless as he was in coming to God. That's the point of the text. He said, this man, the man inside did not get up and give the man the bread because they were friends. But he did get up. And he did open the door and he did give the man as many loaves as he needed. And it was because of his, here's that word, importunity, his shameless asking, his persistent knocking, his boldness in coming at midnight to satisfy a deep need that he felt he had. So what Jesus is teaching us is God wants you and I to come to him with boldness, persistence, and brashness no matter how minute you may think your need is. God wants you to be bold and come to him. Listen to how he answers and see this answer that Jesus gives in verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, it's so shocking that he has to repeat it in verse 10. This is the response that Jesus gives to the parable. He says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock. And the door shall be open to you. And, it's, and, and because that answer was so, so bold and, and, and shocking, he repeats it in verse 10. He said, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. And everyone who seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, the door shall be open." Man, what an encouragement to pray. Now, listen, unlike the man in the parable, when you go to God, you will never get an answer. Go away. I'm in the bed. Sleep. Because the scripture says of God, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. So he's always listening. He's always available. He's always willing to hear our faintest cry. And he's always willing to come through for us. But the deal is, we have to be willing to ask. But you know our problem, don't you? The, the other parts of scripture tells us that some of us ask and we, ask, we have not because we ask amiss. That is, we, we ask for selfish purposes. This man clarified, I'm not asking you for bread for me. I'm asking you bread for someone else. I have a friend who has come. And, and, and you know what our culture is all about. And hospitality is expected. God wants you to ask no matter what it is. Ask. And you will receive, but we don't ask because we ask sometimes in doubt. We don't ask in faith. If, if someone that you call a friend called you on the phone this evening and say, hey, friend, look, I, I need you to lend me $20. I really don't think you're going to do it, but I thought I'd ask. 
Then you say, well, check me next week. Right? Because they didn't believe that you would do it. So they really wasted an ask. And so often when we go to God, we really don't believe that God really would do it. It's like we think, we think God is so busy. God, I know you are, 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 are so busy that you are busy tending to your creation. And, and here's little old me coming again. You know how he said, you know, my head down and body bent. And here I come, Lord. And, and I don't want to be long, so I won't ask you for much. I really don't think you're going to do it, Jesus. And we come with doubt. And when we come with doubt, then we don't have it because that's not the kind of prayer that God answers. Jesus, this is not Paul here. This is not a, a theologian. This is not someone who's guessing what God is like. This is God himself telling us how to approach him. And he said, when you come, come boldly. The writer to the Hebrews said, come boldly to the throne of grace. See, it's a gracious throne. And you can find mercy and help in the time of your need. Whatever your need is, God says you can come. And, and he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find what you're looking for. Knock and the door shall be open to you. And it's not just limited to people who my buddies. It's open to everyone, everyone who asketh. In faith, receiveth. So you might be wondering, so is Jesus saying you got a blank check? No, this is not a blank check. He's already qualified it. In verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, where he says, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. You've already given reverence to him. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So when you ask, you're asking in alignment with whatever is his will. And when you ask in faith, believe in it, you shall receive it. Then he says, everyone who seeks me finds what they're looking for. And everyone who knocks on my door the door will be open. Now look at this. This is, this is three levels of movement toward God. Asking is the first level. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's conversation. It's asking. But then seeking moves a little deeper than just asking. Sometimes you have to look for the answer. And then knocking is another level of action. It's where you really, really have to go a step further. There have been times in my life where I have asked God and it seemed at first that he didn't answer. But that's where the persistence comes. And I think that sometimes God puts us in circumstances and situations where we are tested to see if we really want this. If we're really seeking it. This man would not stop because it was important to him that that door be open. He knew that the person inside had what he needed. And he was assured that if the door was open that he would receive what he wanted. Now, how do you feel when you come to God? Do you believe that he have what you need? The writer to the Hebrews said, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So God has it, baby. And, and, and sometimes it just means you just have to be a little desperate about it. 
Sometimes it means you have to be a little bold about it, a little brash, a little insistent, a little shameless in your asking. I know people who are shameless askers. They don't mind. Man, there's a guy in our town, I won't call his name, but I mean, he goes to every funeral that comes in town. And, and, I mean, and he just come right up to you, man. I, listen, I, I live in North Birmingham. I need a ride home. <laughs> How you get here? <laughs> but he's shameless. And, and there are people who are shameless. They don't have any shame. And that's what God says. When you come to me, put your pride aside and come boldly to me. Because you know that I have what you need. And, 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 and when I open the door, man, then the blessings will come out. See, everybody waits on God. The whole world waits on God to open his hand. But when God opens his hand, blessings come out. I was laughing this morning. I did share in the 8 o'clock service. I, t- I, said, I said, people all over, especially people in Alabama, they run to Georgia and get them lotto tickets. They run to Tennessee. They go to Florida. They go wherever is necessary to get lotto tickets. And some people have been doing it for years. But guess what they're thinking? Their thinking is if it hit one time. See, if the blessing opens, if the door opens one time, one good time, one right time. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you, man. I know you've been praying, but some things you might have to pray for again. Because when the door opens, when God pours it out on you, Oh, man, you, you won't have room enough to receive all that the Lord would give. I am so thankful. I am so grateful that we have that kind of God. And there are times in my life and there are times in your life when desperation sets in. And when desperation sets in, I can't take no for an answer. I have to keep on knocking. I have to keep on seeking. I have to keep on working to get it. You understand? I've been told no before. But that didn't stop me. Men, I had to go back another time. I've been told no on a lot of occasions by things that I thought was important to me. But then if you keep knocking, If you keep asking, if you keep seeking, the one time that he says yes. Man, that that children sing a song sometimes and say, when God says yes, nobody can say no. Oh, man, God, when God snatches that door open, baby, dreams come true. When God snatches that door open, opportunities open up. When God snatches that door open, man, out comes what you have need of. Listen, I was talking about when I was sick, man, and I heard the report. I heard what they were saying. Although I was sick, they thought I was asleep. I wasn't that sleep. And I heard that guy saying, we don't know. This boy, he might not be going back to Birmingham. And I said to myself, oh, yes, I am. And I turned my face to Jesus and I turned it over to him and began to call on his name. And the Lord heard me. Now, what is it about prayer? Does prayer change God's mind? Can you conjole and trick God into doing something that he's not going to do? No, that's not the point. The point is God is sovereign. God is all-knowing and all of those things. But people need to understand that prayer becomes the means that God will use to get you to the end that he intends. See, God sees the end from the beginning. And he knows what will happen. But he will use a means 
to get to the end. Let me give you an illustration of that. The Old Testament prophets promised that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Well, there came a Roman emperor whose name was Caesar Augusta. And Caesar Augusta set up a tax registration that required that everyone would return to his hometown to be registered for the census. That means Mary and Joseph had to get up from where they were in Galilee and go to the city of Bethlehem. Now, Caesar Augusta knew nothing about the Old Testament promise, but he was used as the means to get to what God had determined to have happen. And when Mary and Joseph got up and went to Bethlehem and Mary was pregnant at the time, she gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem because Caesar had set up the means to accomplish God's end. <laughs> Y'all go hear me. And prayer is the means. God has predetermined. Listen to what he said through the prophet Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, and 12. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And then he says in verse 12, call on me and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. God wants you to pray because prayer becomes the means that God will use to get you to the end that he intends. So you got to know what prayer will do. You got to know that God will hear your prayer. God will answer your prayer. He sent the prophet Isaiah to tell Hezekiah that his life was over. But Hezekiah turned his face and he prayed to God. And God sent the prophet back and said, tell Hezekiah, I heard his prayer. And I have asked, God probably was going to spare the man anyway. But if he had not prayed, then the end, the means to that end never would have occurred. And so if you don't pray, you may miss some of the blessings and some of the things that God intends for you to have in your life. But when you do pray, get rid of that pride. Be bold. Come to God. Come boldly to the throne. It's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. And you can ask. And what it says is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. When the door opens, out comes the blessing from God. Look at me today. Standing tall. Took one vitamin D today. That's all that I'm prescribed to take. Do you hear me? And I can tell you, incident after incident and way after way where God has opened the door you're sitting here in a building that could not have been done if God had not opened the door I was sick went through three surgeries came out of the hospital for the third surgery teaching Bible class and a lady called me on the phone at the church and said, Pastor, do you still want to build the church? I said, sure, I want to build the church. She said, well, I have $5 million for you. I knew God had answered. The lady said, all we want to do is put the sign on the, on the property. I said, baby, for $5 million, I'll be like the pizza man on the corner. I'll hold a sign myself and dance with it, baby. God will answer but you got to pray and you got to pray persistently and you got to pray boldly and you got to pray believing in faith that God will hear you and God will answer your prayer pray 
Pray. 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 Pray without ceasing. Pray in the morning. Pray in the noon. Pray in the evening. Keep on knocking. Keep on praying. Keep on asking. Keep on believing. God will come through. God will. I'm going to close with this. When I was getting ready to go to college, I had applied to the top two schools that I wanted to go to. I had not heard from either one. And it was time for school to start. I asked, my mama said to me, you got to go to Miles. She said, nothing wrong with Miles. Your other brothers and sisters went. I said, it's fine. I'll go. I said, but I'm telling you, I'm praying. I went to Miles the first day. And I came home, nothing happened. I went to band practice the next day. I went to freshman orientation the third day. I came home the fourth day, first day of class, and there was a letter. And the letter was from Tennessee State University. And it said, congratulations, you have received not only admission, but a full scholarship. I knew God had answered my prayer. Anybody ever had God to answer your prayer after a long period of time? Anybody ever had God to work on you in such a way that you know now that it's your right, it's your privilege, and it's your responsibility to pray and to pray boldly and to pray consistently and to pray shamelessly. And when you do, the door will be open. Doors of the church are open right now. We're going to give somebody an opportunity to receive this life change. Everything will be all right when you stay. Everything will work out fine. Just have faith. When you pray, when you need a friend, when you need a friend, just have faith when you pray.
clap your hands, all you people, and tell the Lord thank you. God has set prayer as the means, the mechanism for God to fulfill the divine plan that he has for you. So when you pray, pray boldly, pray persistently, pray consistently, and the Lord will come through for you. We're going to enter now into the rite of baptism. Baptism symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Death of the old man raised the new creature in Christ. Take me to the water. Take me to the water to be baptized. Enjoyed the broadcast? You have been listening to a message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where we are reaching the world for Christ. Located at 2135 Jefferson Avenue, Southwest, Birmingham, Alabama 35211. For a copy of a CD or DVD, you can reach us at 205 925 5972 or visit us on the web at www.greatershallow.org for an uplifting message. Please join us for the next broadcast.